Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. We have tried to strike the right balance this week because, admittedly, I've told you before, and I'm a Georgia fan here. I got the Georgia G right here on my shirt. By the way, great-looking rugby-style shirt from Nike from our friends at the UGA Bookstore. This is a perfect shirt to wear on a fall day like this, but it is emblazoned, if you will, with the Georgia G. So I'm as much a partisan as one can be when it comes to a conversation like this. A little concerned about the Mississippi State game on Saturday. I believe this is a very tough road spot for Georgia. I think night games in the SEC are generally speaking pretty tough. That's why Georgia fans want one so bad. Uh, They haven't gotten to get one, but they'll face one. They'll be on the receiving end of one in Starkville on Saturday, and they're in Stark Vegas. You know, those cowbells are clanging and ringing as loud as ever. And it's one of those things where Georgia's going to have to be at its best to emerge as the victor. And we're going to talk more about that here in a moment. In fact, Kirby Smart's going to kind of encourage UGA in that regard here in a bit. And we'll highlight some of that coming up in just a couple of minutes. But kind of concurrent to that, the aftermath of the game against Tennessee is so profound that I don't think that you can turn the page off that too quickly because there are a lot of Georgia fans that just kind of want to celebrate that for a moment we understand that we've been right there the same way and there's this sense that there is something to be understood about this game and you've heard me say this now a couple of times this week that the lead up to the Georgia Tennessee game to me was a little bit like the lead up to the start of the season where we just believe that Georgia was unfairly disregarded and it's not because there's this huge anti-Georgia hatred in in the media I don't believe that exists necessarily but I do believe that there are a couple of other maybe uh, I guess more subliminal type biases or something where where there's a certain aspect of what Georgia is that's hard for media to understand social media to understand common fan to understand that's kind of outside the bubble of dog nation that Georgia's recipe for success just kind of runs against the current of what other college football teams are kind of doing right now and that makes it a little bit more difficult to predict success by some for Georgia because they're just a little bit of an outlier but in life in most cases being an outlier is actually kind of a good thing because you do kind of want to be zigging when other folks are zagging we've talked about that the last few days about kind of exactly how Georgia is but yesterday on Twitter that's where I saw it I'm sure they put it on Instagram things like that too I just happened to see it on Twitter the SEC Network did a really cool thing. They captured a brief snippet of Kirby Smart's post-game speech to his players in the Georgia locker room. So this is not press conference stuff. This is not speaking to a reporter. This is kind of one of those private moments that sometimes the uh, team, the, the, the rights holder, will allow to kind of escape out. And in light of what we've been saying all week long, Kirby Smart's message to his team. If you want to kind of boil it down, boil it down. If you kind of want to boil it down to, hey, what matters for Georgia? Why is Georgia so dadgum good? And why is Georgia so unbelievably hard to play? Why is Georgia kind of back in the hunt to go for two and 22 after having won a national championship last year and losing five first round picks on the defense and everything you've heard now a million times? How come they're kind of right back in it on the hunt again? What is that all about? Kirby Smart, over the course of about 30 seconds here, lays it out in no uncertain terms. This is why Georgia is so good against Tennessee and against everybody else. This is awesome from Kirby on Saturday. Take a listen. Don't ever underestimate the power of physical toughness. And physical toughness wins in football now. And if you're in this room, you got it. And if you come in here, you better believe in it. Because this physical toughness, it's what makes the difference. 
Hell of a job, both units. Complimentary football. I mean, offense, y'all were explosive, aggressive, and really, we took the ball out of your hands some steps, you know what I mean? Because it was wet and nasty. We played like we had to play to win the game, okay? Did a hell of a job being explosive, though. You guys have done it. I ain't been around a group as connected as much love as they got in this room. So Kirby could be a Baptist preacher because he gave you three quick points right there. He mentioned physical toughness. He mentioned complimentary football, offense, helping defense. And he mentioned connection, right, the way in which the teams connected with each other. He gave you three quick points about exactly why it is that Georgia is as good as it is. And he did so in the, over the course of about 30 seconds, which uh, is really very impressive from an oratory standpoint. And it's also an interesting echo of the stuff we've been talking about. We talked one of these days this week, they all kind of run together about the fact that Georgia is tough at a time in which the physicality is kind of being taken out of the game. I don't just mean like player safety. Obviously, we're all in favor of player safety, but there's pretty clearly a push towards smart being more important than strong. I don't mean Kirby smart. I mean, intelligence that somehow smart being more important than strong and Kirby smarts success at Georgia shows you no physical strength physical toughness does matter obviously emotional mental toughness is important too but some of this is just the ability and the willingness to bow your back and go out there and strain and try to physically move a person during a game of course that's a big part of this and Kirby acknowledges that and as we've said before that you know the offense helping the defense that's the definition of complimentary football hey offense giving the defense a break defense giving the offense good field position and finding a way to be last year george was kind of top five in both categories they're the only team last year that can say that there were offenses better than georgia's and somehow sometimes that's all people seem to want to fixate on but ultimately being as good as you can be excellent elite at both that's kind of how Georgia won a national championship last season. That's the recipe that Georgia's trying to use for all of that here this season. And we've seen that. We've talked about that. You've heard us say it. And then obviously the connection part of this too. All of that seems like really touchy-feely when you say, hey, how deeply is this team connected to each other? How much do these guys like playing with each other? And how much are they willing to play for each other? Some of that just sort of sounds like, I don't know, psychobabble mumbo-jumbo or something. But for two years now, they have been talking incessantly about this. And when they're talking, I'm not just talking about the coaches, I'm talking about the players too. When they're talking so deeply about that, I think you're left to conclude that it must be really important. And I also know kind of what you're saying in response to this. Okay, well, B.A., we've kind of heard all this before. We've heard this from you this week. You know, we've heard the complimentary part, the toughness part, with the connection part. We've all kind of heard that, that all of this seems like it's not necessarily new information. And I get that. But let me try to take this to a different step for a moment here. And I want to try to make, I guess, a somewhat abstract point, but I'm going to see if I can make it as clearly as I possibly can. Given the way that Kirby Smart is speaking right there, you might be left to conclude that Kirby would then take the conversation to a different place that he actually doesn't take it. So close your eyes and sort of picture the coach in your mind who's like, hey, I want guys who are tough and I want guys who are willing to forego individual glory for the sake of the team. And I want guys who want to play with each other and be a part of a team concept. The coach who sort of talks that way, because there is a way in which that sort of sounds like sort of typical coachy blowhard type stuff. The coach who talks that way, sometimes you might conclude would then go so far as to say, and so when it comes to these kids in high school, I don't care what the star rating is. I don't care how talented somebody says they are. What I care about is, are they willing to buy into what we want to do? They're willing to buy into what we want to do. Then I'll take them on this team, no matter what the rest of the recruiting industry might say about them. That that's kind of the next step that you think a coach like 
Kirby Smart, who's speaking the way that he speaks in the locker room, might take this. And yet, he doesn't do that. And now he obviously says he doesn't care about star ratings, things like that. But it's fairly, you know, (laughs) not much of a coincidence that the recruits that he's always chasing down are the ones that the recruiting industry are always hyping up. That's probably not a coincidence. He's not doing it because they're hyped. I'm just saying that the recruiting rankings are at least accurate enough that they also seem to reflect pretty well the recruits that Kirby's typically chasing down, not every instance, but in most instances. But the point here is, the point here is, is that even though Kirby would say, hey, we got to be physically tough. And even though Kirby would say, hey, we have to have players who kind of are willing to buy into a selfless team concept. Kirby does not say, and that's the only thing that matters. And you give me guys who are willing to be a part of the team and you give me guys who are willing to be tough. And that's all that I need. No, Kirby time and time again pivots back to the need to find elite talent and then turning them into if they're not already turning them into the kinds of players that buy into what he just described there let me give you another example here this is from the uh post-game press conference on saturday there's not locker room this is with media and smart was asked about how a night like the win against tennessee has the ability to impact recruiting he's going to kind of go through some of the things about you know why the the day is good for recruiting but listen at the very end of this clip smart says something that he says quite a bit that actually if you really take it at face value kind of diminishes his own role as the architect of the success that george is having but repeatedly smart says something kind of like this and i think you have to understand this in the context of what you just heard so here's kirby being asked about the value of recruiting uh leading to win against tennessee and how the cycle can continue because of the win against tennessee kirby once again from saturday night our crowd impressed the folks that were here we were very fortunate to have a facility here that our administration helped build that is unreal for rains they can go inside if they want to stay outside and celebrate the rain with us they can they, a lot of them are going back over to our facility now to spend time with us and and ultimately this game will probably get us you know an, another good player that probably playing here against them in two years you know so, and that's the name of the game you want to be a good coach you got to sign good players so at the end there like that is not what i would probably want to say if i was the georgia coach if i was the georgia coach i would probably be tempted to speak in such a way that everybody knows that i'm the reason that georgia's having so much success hey it's because of me hey did y'all see what my team done in the field today I would kind of want to remind people of how good I am as a way of explaining the success that George is enjoying. But I'm telling you, this is not the first time that Kirby's done this. Many of you have heard this many times before. Kirby doesn't do that. Kirby says, if you want to be a good coach, you better have good players. Over and over and over again, he says that. So you've heard me say this before about the idea of the Kirby doctrine. Like I'm one of those guys that I'm just smart enough to know there's like a Monroe doctrine that exists in history. I'm not smart enough to know what the Monroe doctrine necessarily was, but I sort of know it's a thing. And we talked about one of our shows back during the off season. You know, what's the Kirby doctrine here? To me, the Kirby doctrine, the explanation for the success for Georgia, the the mechanism they're using for future success is that Kirby wants to bring in elite talent and he wants to train that talent to be tough. And if he can take elite talent and make him tough or or take elite talent that's already tough and then like instill even more toughness, if you can do that, then you're going to outlast almost any team that you might compete with. And you can't have one side of the corner or the other because there are tough people who are not talented and they'll probably do pretty well in life, but they're not likely to win a national championship in college football because toughness alone is not enough. It requires elite talent. And let's face it. There are a lot of elite talents, and they're not tough. They're not physically tough. They're not mentally tough. And they will have a lot of wasted potential. And it kind of stinks to say it that way. And 
you know, listen, maybe at times it's more complicated than I'm describing it. We can all kind of think of examples of this, of elite talent that didn't achieve at a very high level. And you're left to conclude, okay, well, there were clearly some physical gifts there, but there wasn't enough toughness, either of the mental kind or of the physical kind. And therefore that, that potential went unmet and you didn't fully achieve everything that you could. So it's possible to be talented and not tough and not achieve everything you can. It's possible to be tough and not talented and not achieve a whole lot at this level because clearly elite talent is part of this. But as Kirby points out, hey, when talent is tough, it's essentially unbeatable. And that's exactly what George is trying to do. That is the Kirby doctrine. And y'all, to kind of make this even more, I guess, succinct, too late, but to try to make it more succinct, at every turn, this is the choice that I think I see Georgia making. Given the choice of doing the easy thing or the hard thing, Georgia, in every sense, chooses the hard thing. That's what Georgia asks of its players. Hey, if you come here, we're going to ask you to do the hard thing. Somebody somewhere else is going to ask you or maybe allow you to do something a little bit easier. But are you, are you sure you'll be as good if you do the easier thing? And a lot of Georgia players say, no, I better do what's hard because I want to enjoy an uncommon level of success, an uncommon level of financial success in the NFL, an uncommon level of, indiv- you know, sort of, uh, you know, glory and accolades while in college. If I want an uncommon level of success, I better not express a common level of behavior. And there's a certain, you know, version of Georgia player who seems to understand that the Georgia program asks players to do the hard things. But the Georgia coaching staff also asks hard things of itself. Hey, you could have it easy and just go after players who are tough because there are plenty of tough players who would be more than happy to sign up for a place at Georgia. But instead, we're going to ask you to do something hard. We're going to ask you to go chase after exclusively elite recruits and give them a little bit tougher recruiting pitch than they're going to get some other places. Hey, come here and put pads on on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Come here and uh, you know get really physical during practice. Come here and share some individual glory. That is not as easy a recruiting pitch as maybe some other places are making it some other times. But once again, it's an example of Georgia doing what is hard. Coaches doing that, players doing that, taking talented players, making them tough. That was the recipe for beating Tennessee on Saturday. And in future wins that Georgia hopes to collect, it'll be the same recipe that's on display there. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and we are happy to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, we start 945, first and 15, dognation.com, dognation app, or 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, a podcast wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Just so happy to have you with us. And if you're listening radio podcasts, you can't see this, but if you're watching on video, you've seen this now for a long time. The great-looking Go for 2 and 22 logo that we have on the desk in front of us. A lot of folks in Athens this past Saturday when they saw me, boom, two fingers in the air. A lot of folks in Starkville, BA, I'm looking forward to hearing this with those two fingers going up. That's kind of what I've the, the greeting I've been kind of, kind of getting used to getting uh, folks this year as George's on this mission to go for 2 and 22. Obviously, the hashtag has really taken off online, which I love to be able to see. And did you know that now you can get a Go for 2 and 22 t-shirt? So if you want to show folks folks just how excited you are about what can be on the way here for UGA watch on video there's a QR code just click that and you can get right there or if you're listening radio podcast the simplest thing to do might be to just go to dognation.com top of the page you can actually click the link for the go for two and 22 t-shirt click it it looks awesome I, I just love this 
can't wait to have these uh, out and about as you head towards the uh, big, big stretch run here this season. So you want your Go for 2 and 22 t-shirt, uh, go to dognation.com, top of the page. You can get that. Or if you're watching on video, boom, just use your phone, click that QR code, and you can be in it uh, right away to go ahead and get all of that. By the way, big thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making the show possible. I was uh, talking to Bob and Ashley Tharp in Athens on Saturday. They're huge dog fans, and my guess is they're going to probably be a part of a lot of what we have going on here in the uh, weeks to come because they were all over this Georgia-Tennessee game on Saturday. I had a great time with uh, both of them, saw them some uh, before that game, and obviously we love partnering with people who are big dog fans. I just love kind of sharing that experience now. Uh, you know, it's just something that's really, really fun for us. And I love helping tell Meriwether and Tharp's story because it's just kind of fun. You know, Bob and Ashley are friends of mine, and I just, I just love their, you know, what they do. I love their spirit. I love the fact that they love the dogs as much as we do here around here. But here's something else I love there too, and this is important, that when it comes to the sort of serious stuff that you deal with in life, and one of those things might be divorce, you may try to avoid it and you probably should. You may have tried to kind of consider every other option and who wouldn't if they were in your same situation. But then when it's all said and done, it is just a reality that has to be confronted and putting it off and, and waiting or or pretending that it doesn't exist. You already know that's not going to do you any good. And so if you kind of find yourself where that's your story, then it may be time to tell your story to someone. And that's what our friends at Meriwether and Tharp want to do. They want to hear your story. And hey, if divorce is not the right thing for you, they'll be more than happy to tell you that because uh, that's kind of what they do. They provide counsel in situations like this. So please reach out, theatlantadivorceteam.com. That's the website, theatlantadivorceteam.com. My friends at Meriwether and Tharp want to give you a free initial consultation with one of their attorneys. Some of that may just be you know, trying to find out exactly what the divorce process might mean for you. Are there things that are involved here that you haven't fully considered? There probably are. Are there tough questions that need to be asked? Maybe by them towards you, maybe by you towards them. Uh, that's a part of all of this. Let's get all the facts on the table. Make sure we understand all of this the way that it can be understood. And that's what Mary Wendell Thought wants to do for you. They are your source for Georgia divorce. So please find them online, the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. That is the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. We are so happy to have Mary Weather and Tharp as a part of Dog Nation Daily here today. We're also happy to have Terrence Edwards a part of the show. We'll talk to Terrence here coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse, and it's presented today by our friends at Serve Pro. And so I told you off the top of the show, you got two things going on here. You got big win on Saturday against Tennessee. The aftermath of that we're still sort of living into, and dog fans had a great time. And I think so. Like we're gonna do a couple of good golden shoes today, and like tomorrow we're gonna do like a thousand golden shoes, just because I've been collecting all of these and we haven't had time to get them all out there. But I want to make sure that we do as much as we can to sort of show off all the fun that people were having with that win against Tennessee. So we'll do some of that here over the course of the next couple of days, but. That is not to say that Georgia does not have a very big game on Saturday. And you've heard me say this now a couple of times, is that when the season was just kind of becoming an idea, when we were in the offseason looking ahead to Georgia football, the thing that I really believed at the time was, wow, this Mississippi State game is probably the toughest game on Georgia's schedule. And now the game is ready to be played. And some of the things that I thought made Mississippi State tough at the time uh, are still very much present here. This is a game that in which, you know, I just 
I think that Georgia needs to be at its best in order to win. This is not one of those games in which, hey, you're doing any looking ahead to what might be coming next. Now, we spend all the time talking about, you know, go for two and all that kind of stuff. I realize that. But the step towards making go for two as possible as it can be requires being as locked in as you can be for Mississippi State on Saturday. And there's obviously a physical part of that. We just talked about that a moment ago. Being tough in games like this. Mississippi State may be a little tougher than you realize. This is not the old school version of Mike Leach from those remote western outposts like Lubbock, Texas or Pullman, Washington teams that scored 50 points and played very little defense. There's a lot more of that to Leach's teams now than there used to be. They're probably a little bit more running back involved now than they ever were back in the old Washington State or Texas Tech days. There's a little bit more of an SEC influence to what Leach is doing right now that kind of makes this once again, a little bit of a dangerous game for Georgia. It was close and hard fought in 2020. For all I know, it may be close and hard fought here on Saturday as well, despite the fact that Georgia is right now about a 17-point favorite. So with that in mind, you got to have all systems firing as you head towards Dark Vegas on Saturday. And Kirby Smart talked about some of this on Tuesday night with the idea that, hey, back at number one again, you know, back getting all the attention again. You know, Georgia's going to have these kind of ebbs and flows this season of after the Oregon game, everybody's talking about Georgia. Then after a while, kind of nobody's talking about Georgia. And then after the Tennessee game, seemingly everybody's talking about Georgia once again. But from Kirby Smart's perspective, it actually hasn't changed as much as you might think. This is Kirby's thoughts on kind of where Georgia stands from a mental standpoint going into this test against the maroon version of the Bulldogs on Saturday. Here's Kirby. Yeah, I feel like we've had a target on our back all year. That doesn't. I really don't know that, that changes, right? I mean, when you won the national championship the year before, there's target on your back from day one, and that doesn't change regardless of your record, your venue you play in, or anything. But um, we talk about toughness and DNA, and DNA travels. Um, and, and, and if you, you, you have good DNA, it travels with you. Um, you know, you don't, you don't do all these exercises we do to work on composure to not use it. So, like, we anticipate it's an opportunity to, to use our flex, our composure muscle, resiliency muscle, connection muscle, and our toughness muscle. So we don't do all that lifting and, and, and preparing um, to not use it. So I, I expect our guys to use it. And uh, if we, if, you know, when, when or if we need it, you've you got to be prepared for that. So it's a, it's a really tough place to play, and they got a really good team. So very interesting words from Kirby Smart there, kind of leading into what's going to happen on Saturday. And, I mean, there are two things that are true here. That Mississippi State, as Kirby Smart says, is a good team. They're 6-3 and three right now. And yeah, that's a good team. That's a, that's a challenge uh, for Georgia in a game like this. This is not, you know, McNeese State, not to pick on McNeese, but this is not, you know, some you know easy pushover team. This is a team that has a little bit of a pulse to it. Uh, I, I've joked about this, but I mean this kind of seriously. Is like, you know, this is not the kind of team where the fans are taken out of the game because they've already lost three times. You know, Mississippi State is still fighting for what can be for its program standard a pretty good year. So their fans are maybe more engaged, certainly than, than some teams would be if they'd already lost three times. You probably don't expect that in Starkville because these are the kinds of seasons they're more used to. So you're going to have a little bit of uh, you know fan involvement there on all of that. So respect pay to the opponent on Saturday. But at the same time, this is a Georgia team that's also built, it would seem, for passing these kinds of tasks. So two things are true. Georgia's a very, very good team, but it's also facing a, a significant test on Saturday. And Georgia's continued preparation to 
to to get ready for all that. We obviously expect them to be, you know, fully focused on that, kind of need to be fully focused and another chance towards taking a big step towards go for two in 22 with what happens in Starkville on Saturday night. That is around the doghouse and it's presented today by our friends at Servpro. And listen, George is trying to invade somebody else's home on Saturday, and some of you have dealt with your own kind of home invasion here as of late. It's water intrusion or some sort of fire, something that you never really planned for, but it's happened and it has left a mess. And we know how messy it can be because you know, a few weeks ago we had our own kind of flooding situation here at our Dog Nation World Headquarters studios, and literally we called Serpro. I mean, that's exactly what we did, and they came here and cleaned it up and, and, and fixed it up. And as I've told you before, they left it like it never even happened. It was amazing to see, but that's what Serpro is all about. So I want you to find them online. It's Serpro.com. That's S-E-R-V, Serpro.com. You can learn more about what they can do for you. Their restoration specialist, kind of famous for this, getting you cleaned up, getting you put back together, leaving it like it never even happened before these are hard-working folks here at serve pro each and every franchise independently owned and operated the reason why i tell you that is because when it comes to something like this that's important to you because this is either your home where you live your business where your livelihood is produced one way or another you have a lot at stake when it comes to a cleanup job like this well when you're working with an independently owned you know, owned and operated Surpro franchise, you're kind of doing business with someone who has a huge stake in the outcome as well, because just like your livelihood at stake, their livelihood is at stake there as well. So it's kind of a mutual agreement here to have high stakes uh, when it comes to your satisfaction. So that's what Surpro is all about. So find them online, servepro.com, S-E-R-V, that is servepro.com, and make sure you check them out today. Happy to have them as a part of Around the Doghouse. Okay, so here's what we got. Uh, later on, we're going to look at some of the SEC championship scenarios that could kind of play out the simple solution to all this. And then what happens if it's not quite so simple where it gets complicated kind of quick, the games of the weekend that have playoff implications, they're probably more than you realize. We'll cover all that before we're done. Also a couple of very good golden shoes today there too. But for now, big win against Tennessee, what to expect against the Bulldogs of Mississippi State. Let's talk about all of that with Terrence Edwards today, right here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insight. Happy to have Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. Always appreciate his point of view and Terrence, obviously, Georgia got a big game on Saturday. I want to make sure we talk a lot about that, but we haven't really had a chance to hear from you yet on what happened against Tennessee. This was, to me, the most memorable day in the history of the stadium. Uh, I was so happy to see the way in which the Georgia fans impacted the day and just incredibly proud to see how UGA responded on this huge stage against the Tennessee team that had gotten a lot of love coming into the day. Uh, Terrence, you played in and won big games in your own career. What did you think about the way that Georgia performed on Saturday? Uh, I tweeted after the game that this was their best performance to date, in my opinion. I think it was better than the Oregon game and definitely better than the South Carolina performance. And the reason why I say that because Tennessee came into this game as the hot team, as a team that everyone picked to win. I think even on a panel, I think David Pilot uh, and the guest speaker was the only one to pick Georgia, so Tennessee was the number one ranked team. They jumped us in the college football playoffs, and I think um, it, it struck a it struck a nerve with the guys. So you can see how they play. I know we only scored twenty seven points, and there was factors that went into that. I think if it didn't rain, we would score more. I think Kirby understood that they want better to score on us in this rain, and they can't run the ball on us. So he kind of put the uh, 
stop the, the offense and just let's, let's get out of this game. But if you just look at the, the defense performance, man, it, it was great. Offense performance, other than the fumble we had on that first possession, I, I love everything about what we did offensively, defensively, and special teams. And when your three phases outplay their three phases, that's going to be the outcome of the game. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right about that. And I've said this now a good bit about the Oregon game, and I'm not necessarily smart enough to know why this is, but you know that wasn't really what I think of as Georgia football there that day. And that was dominant. It was 49-3, to but it wasn't very much in the way of running the ball on a per-play defense. I don't believe – I should say on a per-play basis. I don't believe that Georgia played as well defensively as it has been playing as of late. And kind of what you've seen from Georgia recently, certainly on Saturday – to me, Terrence, is a little bit more of the blueprint for Georgia where it's dominant defense, it's explosive offense, but it's more you know running game than what Georgia had against Oregon. So if I'm a Georgia fan hoping to you know win another national championship, I probably do take a lot more from what I've seen from Georgia as of late, not just the Tennessee game, but I think like Florida game, Auburn game had you know remnants of this too i take more of what i've seen from georgia of late as being the real georgia and therefore in a lot of ways what georgia's done in sec play has actually been more impressive to me than what it did week one against oregon even though since playing georgia oregon's had the look of a playoff team i've actually been more impressed with some of what georgia has done since oregon despite the fact it's probably gotten less attention oh most definitely i definitely agree um, and if you just want to look at two of the things that the Georgia faithful have, have spoke about, we have spoke about, it's the running game and pass rush. Uh, so the running game has been has been tremendous the last few weeks, being able to run the ball in between the tackles with the three run three or four running backs that we put in there. We got to give credit to their offensive line and Coach Harris on how they've been able to uh, move the line of scrimmage um, and and defensively. Uh, who would have thought with this young group of guys that these guys did not play last year against Tennessee, um, that they did a tremendous job. Uh, the pressure uh, also posed a threat because now the quarterback cannot sit back there and just heave those balls 50 yards downfield to open receivers. Yes, I think three or four times their receivers got behind our secondary, but the pass rush and the people that we sent on him, he saw goals. So he wasn't able to sit back there and throw the ball comfortably. And that goes to the defensive schemes that we had, some of the zone fire blitzes that we sent. Uh, it was just a, a great day defensively and overall for the Georgia Bulldogs. So before I talk about Mississippi State, and I do want to talk to you a lot about that, how about something else here on Tennessee? Do you – like? You know, where do you have the Vols right now as the kind of team that sort of bounced back from the Georgia game and, you know, you know, kind of runs its way through the rest of the regular season and stays very close to potentially being a college football playoff team, maybe making as an at-large the same way that Alabama did in 2017? Do you think of them as less than that? I mean, you know, you know, how, how much is Tennessee still on your radar after the Georgia win on Saturday as possibly a team that Georgia might play again? I think they're a team that's definitely going to get another opportunity to uh, face Georgia. If they're going and win the next three games that they have, uh, their resume is, is speaks for themselves. Uh, beating Alabama, beating LSU the way they did. Now LSU is in that in that conference, maybe going to be in a conference uh, SEC title game against us. So their resume lets us believe that they're a, a top four team. The game that I'm really looking at against Tennessee is how they do against Missouri, and I. Everyone knows that Missouri, if you didn't pay attention, Missouri can play defense. They have a front 
seven that get after the quarterback. So that's going to be a game that I'm going to circle to see how they play against Missouri because Missouri is not winning a lot of games, but defensively their defense is keeping them in the game. So that's the game that I'm going to circle. But I think Tennessee resume right now deserves them being in the conversation of getting the college football playoffs. So Georgia going to Starkville on Saturday. Um, I don't think you ever played at Mississippi State, did you, Terrence? We talked about this before about how you know uh, just infrequently Georgia's played Mississippi State. Um, you your brother played him in '97, but did you ever go to Starkville or play Mississippi State during your career? No, I didn't. Yeah, it's just kind of weird. It's like for a long time these two teams just have not played uh, very much. But you know, this is one of those games that hey, when you're on the road, you know, this is a Mississippi State team that's going to have likely a winning record. You know, or, you know, before the season is done here, um, this is a pretty tough game before the season began. I thought this kind of looked like Georgia's toughest game, and I'm kind of reminded of some of that here this week. How tough of a task do you think the Bulldogs and Maroon will be for Georgia on Saturday? I, you know, they present a unique challenge just the way they throw the football. And I know uh, the two teams that probably throw the football best, uh, we have played them in consecutive weeks, but their passing game is totally different. Tennessee is a offense that likes to throw the football downfield. Mississippi State is a team that likes to throw crossers underneath. And they, they kind of want to nickel and dime you to get you to move up. Then they're going to hit a big play over the top. So totally two different type of passing offense but very effective in their own right. So Georgia's just going to have to go in there with a game plan to try to figure out, I don't know if we rush three and drop eight, uh, trying to close all the, the passing lanes. Uh, just a defense that you're going to have to mix up. You're going to have to blitz them. You're going to have to drop eight. You're going to have to rush three. If you don't if you don't mix up your coverages against Mississippi State, it could be a long day, not saying that we lose, but that passing attack can be potent. But I just think these guys is on a mission. These guys on the mission, Coach Smart and a defensive staff have these guys on the mission. And I see it being close early, uh, but we put away late. I think Michigan's a great word to use, and it's certainly a, a strong way to describe what's at stake here. And obviously, I think a lot of Georgia fans lean in more closely when you say that. So, to kind of follow up on that, Terrence, this is sort of classic college football. You have the big win at home, and everybody's loving onion, patting you on the back. And now you got to travel on the road. It's going to be dark, maybe a little cold, and nobody in this stadium is going to be loving on you at all. They're going to be ringing those cowbells. It has the potential of being kind of a trap spot, you know, the old school phrase of trap game. This sort of feels like that. It sounds like you're not that concerned about Georgia. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's what it sounds like you're saying here. You're not that concerned about Georgia falling prey to some of these classic college football things of, hey, going on the road after a big win at home. Sounds like you're not too worried about that right now. I'm not worried about it because Mississippi State presents a challenge that that the coach is really going to relay this message to them. No, the way they throw the football uh, can present a challenge. Mississippi State is a team, and, and I think the biggest thing that he can say, if you win this game, our first goal is checked off. It's win the East. So if you go and win this game and take care of business, um, no matter what happened against Kentucky, you are SEC East champs. So if you go in and take care of business, the first goal that we have to achieve is winning the East. It's done. So I don't think this game is going to present any kind of trap game or you're going to see guys go out there and take this game lightly, man. You, if you look at these guys, they love to play football. I think Kirby is recruiting guys that love football, mm. not just like it for what uh, football can bring to them. These guys love football, and that's the type of guys that you need. I know recruiting services cannot 
measure if a guy likes football or he loves football. And I think Kirby has done a great job of getting guys that just love to play the game of football. Let me just give you one guy that, to me, is just an unsung hero. I know Jalen Carr on defense is a big guy, and Nolan Smith is going to be a – but Chris Smith is a guy that came in as a corner. I've known him for a long time. Uh, he took over when the great Richard LeCount went down. And he's had a great Georgia career. When I think everybody counted him out uh, as, as a prospect, he's been that study guy in that back. And I think uh, with the, the true freshman having that type of guy beside him, 24, has been great for his development as a player. So Chris Smith deserves a lot of love as a team leader on this team. I think that's great, uh, Terrence. That's so well said. I, I just think that's a very, very strong opinion on your part before we let you go um a guy that you know well now plays for mississippi state justin robinson georgia fans obviously liked him when he was here he has now moved on there to starkville seems like he's having a pretty good year how's he fitting in over there how's he liking things in the sec west i don't know how much you've had a chance to talk to him you're obviously busy too coaching your own team there at uh, milton high school but um how is uh how is justin getting acclimated to life in starkville as a part of the sec west He's doing well. Uh, he fits uh, what their system. They like big, tall, wide receivers on the perimeter. Uh, so he's doing well. He's adjusted. Uh, I know he's, you know, just truth be told, this is a game that he's been looking for just to go and show people that, you know, he could play and play against his old team, team that he know. I know the guys are looking forward to seeing their old friend. And I, I think this needs to be said. A lot of the Georgia fans may be up, upset when people leave. But I can tell you this. Those guys still love Justin. Those guys still love Jermaine. Those guys still love every guy that left the Georgia program for every reason. Those guys still talk to each other, still care for one another. So they're gonna they, they're gonna play hard. They're gonna get after him. But at the end of the game, it's all gonna be love between those guys. No doubt about that, Terrence. Great stuff. Only love for us towards you there as well. Looking forward to having you as part of the Dog Nation post game show on Saturday, and of course. Uh, always your opinions here in the program thanks for your time best of luck to the uh milton folks here in the upcoming state playoffs there as well and we'll uh, look forward to getting a chance to chat with you very soon thank you let's take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through yeah to kind of follow up on something that uh, kirby smart said there i should say that terrence edwards said there you know kirby smart's talked a lot about you know like schematically tennessee and mississippi state are not the same we even if you're not an XO's expert, I think you generally have a sense of kind of why that's true. You could maybe draw it on a chalkboard, but you sort of have an idea that that's not true. You understand that. But one thing that does seem somewhat similar is is that you are facing a tough choice. And as Terrence said, you got to throw a lot at them. You know, sometimes it's dropping a bunch of guys in uh, you know pass coverage. You mentioned you may drop eight, drop seven. You know, Georgia's done that. You know, going back to LSU 2019 is an example of that. Uh, but also the thing that made the the Tennessee game plan so successful for Georgia was taking that additional risk because you knew that Tennessee could burn you if you didn't get there, bringing pressure at the quarterback and getting Hendon Hooker down. And I mean, obviously, I've talked about pass rush, you know, all season long. I would love to see that replicated against Rodgers. Will Rodgers, the very good Mississippi State quarterback on Saturday. Exactly how you do it. I'm not smart enough to necessarily tell you. And, you know, ultimately, you know, does Mississippi State do things, whether it be getting rid of the football quickly, whether it be, you know, uh, keeping you off balance enough that you're more worried about defending the pass than you are getting after the quarterback? Maybe there is some of that for a day like Saturday. But that's what made the the, the, the day so dynamic, uh, 
this past weekend was crowd was going crazy dogs getting after that quarterback it would be great to see georgia getting after that quarterback will rogers again on saturday instead of having the crowd behind you get the crowd against you at mississippi state boy what a great way to take them out of the game by getting after will rogers and by cutting off that you know mississippi state offense at the knees you know kind of the early stage of this game that'd be fun to consider something else that's fun to consider how about cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and being on board a royal caribbean cruise ship we got so many fun things coming up with the royal caribbean including the thing we're all going to be doing together which is the second ever cruise with dog nation this upcoming april it's leaving out of port canaveral on april the 24th it's going to nassau on the bahamas it's going to perfect day coco Cay. i'm also taking my family on a cruise in february and so last night we have this like thing where we kind of have like traditionally um we do kind of a wednesday night dinner together during the season just because i'm not home as much on the weekend so we kind of make wednesday night sort of our time to be together and last week i think i told you this i kind of announced to them that we were you know going to be taking a family cruise in february and so like last night we were you know kind of sitting around having some dessert and uh we were looking at some videos on youtube of all the places we're going to be going kind of showing them uh perfect day coco Cay, that private island oasis that's right there in the bahamas and you know it's like the adults and the kids sometimes see perfect day coco Cay a little bit differently it's like for my wife and me you know we love the chill side that's where like you're kind of relaxing in a chair you're maybe having a beverage you're just kind of enjoying the peaceful tranquility of being out there in the bahamas my kids want the thrill side there's a water park there largest uh you know wave pool in the bahamas you got uh tallest water slide in north america you got all these incredible things that kids obviously just love and can't get enough of and so uh you know if there's something for everybody we're all really excited about that and so we're going to be experiencing that as a family coming up in february but you're going to experience with us a part of the dog nation cruise coming up in april so i want you to visit the website royaldogs.com our friend jessica slater's got a great website for you that kind of gives you more details about the upcoming cruise with dog nation going to perfect day coco k going to nassau on the bahamas being on board independence of the seas enjoying the special dog nation events that are part of that you can also give her a call directly 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 and get involved with all of that and you can also maybe find out about the uh, video that you're seeing for those of you watching on video of the upcoming icon of the seas making its debut january of 2024 what an unbelievable experience that's going to be and you can find out more about that from jessica too or with our friends at uh, royal caribbean that's going to be outstanding excuse me now let's cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and let's talk about some sec championship scenarios for saturday so on the east side of the thing it's simple georgia wins on the east once again we've been talking about this now for a number of years it's kind of an old school thing uh for us here at dog nation the idea of own the east and what a big deal that is and a chance to do that here once again the east division is going to be going away in a couple of years so we've got to you know only got a little bit more time at least we think it's going to be so you've only got a little bit more time left to go out there and own the east but certainly a, a big chance to do that on saturday simply by beating mississippi state punch a ticket to the sec championship game and have a chance from there to move on to the college football playoffs so the next step in that journey is obviously what's going to happen on saturday so then you get to the SEC West part of this. Obviously, the win for LSU last Saturday against Alabama makes it you know, probably far more likely that LSU is the team that wins the SEC West. And that could, in simple fashion, happen on Saturday. If LSU beats Arkansas, which it's favored to do, it's only a slight favorite in the game, but if it beats Arkansas, which it is favored to do, 
And if Alabama beats Ole Miss, which is also favored to do, then boom, there you go. LSU wins the SEC West, and the matchup is set. Georgia and LSU playing in the SEC Championship, something these two teams did in 2003, 2005, 2011, 2019. This will be the, is that, am I right about this? The fifth time that Georgia and LSU have played in the SEC Championship. I think I'm right about that. Um, and that happens after Saturday. Bama win, LSU win, boom. LSU clinches the West. Georgia win, boom. Georgia clinches the East. But what happens if that doesn't work out quite so simply? Now, let's say for the sake of conversation, because that's all my heart can stand, let's just say that Georgia does win. Let's push them aside for the moment, because hopefully it'll be that easy for UGA. But what about in the SEC West here for a moment? What if LSU doesn't beat Arkansas? They're only about a three-point favorite or so. It's a small number there in the game. What if LSU doesn't win that game? Well, if they don't win and Alabama does, then all of a sudden you set up a scenario where Alabama, by virtue of winning the Iron Bowl and by LSU losing to Texas A&M, at that point in time, Alabama could still win the SEC West. If it wins both of its remaining conference games, if LSU loses both of its remaining conference games, that would be the scenario. And here's the thing to understand. There's a weird thing about math where LSU is a favorite against Arkansas and will be a favorite against Texas A&M. But if you look at, like, say, the ESPN, FPI, and stuff like that, LSU's chances of winning both these games is only about 50-something percent. It's more than half, but it's not like it's not like a 70 or 80 percent chance they're going to win both these games. It's slightly better than half. So you could have a little bit of drama here. Now, consider this for a moment. If LSU loses on Saturday, if Alabama wins on Saturday, Alabama would obviously be a huge favorite to win the Iron Bowl. And now you've got LSU against Texas A&M. Now, keep in mind the scenario with Texas A&M. They are, first of all, awful. We understand that. So based on that, you'd say, well, of course they're going to be Texas A&M. But what if some of these like rumblings and grumblings around Jimbo Fisher intensifies? And what if all of a sudden he's coaching for his job? I don't think that's going to happen. But there are people in College Station right now who've been very quiet before who are coming out of the woodworks to express some dissatisfaction with the current state of Texas A&M that Jimbo might need to give these people a win before the season is done. And against LSU, which kind of a newfangled rivalry, that might be an example of that. So you got that potentially playing out where there could be some drama. Now, there's also one more scenario here, and this is where things actually do get pretty complicated. So let's say that LSU loses on Saturday, but Ole Miss beats Alabama. Well, at that point in time, now it's LSU kind of battling out Ole Miss for the conference title game. And here's where it gets weird. Obviously, LSU could still win the conference by winning a game. uh, But let's say it doesn't win either of its next two conference games against Arkansas on Saturday or against uh, Texas A&M to conclude the season. Well, guess what? Ole Miss has three conference games left. So if all of this plays out in such a way in which Ole Miss wins on Saturday, it could kind of come down to one of these deals where you're actually having to wait all the way to the end to see if Ole Miss could continue to win out to give itself the SEC West. Otherwise, by virtue of a loss, they may bring LSU back into this. So any questions about this? Here's the bottom line is that it is more likely than not that LSU is the representative in the SEC West. But if they don't win, they bring Alabama back into the picture or they bring Ole Miss back to the picture. And it's possible that LSU could still win the West without winning all of its remaining games. But if LSU doesn't win on Saturday, the door is open for the story in the SEC West to get slightly more complicated. 
but they are a favorite against Arkansas, so maybe they just kind of close it up and make it all that simple. Now, while we're listing out complicated scenarios, let me also look ahead to the rest of this weekend here for a moment because I've been kind of thinking about this a lot here today. That on the one hand, it sort of seems like as we get down towards the end of the regular season, the number of teams that can make the college football playoff would appear to be going down. But on the other hand, the number of games that have playoff implications on a weekend like this seem to be kind of going up. And there are some extra games that you probably have to at least consider a little bit. So let me kind of fly through some of this just a little bit and kind of tell you what I'm watching for. Like, for instance, Friday night, you got USC hosting Colorado. Colorado is one of the five worst teams in the country by anybody's measurement. So not much for USC to prove one way or another. But you do have to take the Trojans seriously as a playoff team right now. They're in that kind of round robin mix a bit with the Pac-12. Keep in mind the Pac-12 is complicated here because they don't have divisions anymore. The two Power five conferences that don't have divisions, Pac-12 and Big 12. So to try to figure out who are the two teams that will play for the Pac-12 conference title, that's really pretty tricky at the moment. But it matters because I think given the fact that Oregon's rated high, that USC's rated high, higher than it probably should be, and that UCLA is still in the mix too, and I guess to a degree Utah there as well, although they've lost twice, I think you have to consider the real possibility of the Pac-12 champion makes this year's playoff. So USC, obviously, a part of that discussion. Illinois hosts Purdue. I mention this only because eventually it seems like Illinois is likely to clinch the the, the Big Ten West. That won't happen this week. But you're kind of curious to see how good of a team goes up against a, a Michigan or Ohio State in the Big Ten title game. Illinois lost last week, but they've been more good than not here this year. Maybe that has your attention. Obviously, Tennessee hosts Missouri on Saturday. Here's my thing about Tennessee. I'm going to make this very, very quick. And we're going to probably do more of this tomorrow. If you really look at what Tennessee has been this year, how many times have the Vols had the appearance of being a college football playoff caliber team? I would say last week against Georgia, they didn't. They were exposed, at least in that game, seemingly as a pretender. But there are games this year in which They've looked like a playoff team. Beating Kentucky 44 to 6, that's not easy to do. That's a pretty strong performance. On the road against LSU, that's a pretty strong performance. The Alabama game, they clearly got some help from the Crimson Tide, but if you beat Alabama, that's a playoff level performance. That's three instances. But to kind of go on the negative side of the ledger, the Georgia game, as I said before, not a positive data point for Tennessee. On the road at Pitt earlier this year, Panthers quarterback got injured Keaton Slovis had to go to overtime to get the win that's not really a playoff level performance for Tennessee I'd say the same thing about the game against Florida way closer than it should have been and that game was at home for Tennessee so if you're a Vols fan and they're right now doing everything they can to sort of do the math of how they make the playoff and what needs to happen what needs to happen I would say the simplest thing towards Tennessee being a part of the playoff conversation is actually looking like a playoff team for the remainder of the regular season. And it's not obvious to me they will. Now, I don't necessarily pick them to lose outright in any one of its next three games. But in terms of actually having the look of one of the four best teams in the country, I think getting back on that horse again after losing to Georgia, it's not a rubber stamp given that's exactly what the Vols are going to be doing. So Will I be watching the Missouri-Tennessee game pretty closely on Saturday? I'll be trying to follow it as closely as we can. LSU-Arkansas, we've talked about. Uh, kind of an easy scenario if LSU wins. A tricky scenario if they don't. You've got Ohio State as a huge favorite against Indiana on Saturday. You've got Michigan as a huge favorite against Nebraska. You know, Clearly right now we're talking about not just the possibility of the Big Ten champion making the playoff, but the idea that both 
Michigan and Ohio State make the playoff. I think it's easier to make that case if Michigan beats Ohio State than if Ohio State beats Michigan because of the soft Michigan non-conference schedule. But nonetheless, that's there. You'll look at the ACC for a moment where Clemson hosts Louisville. You know, Clemson's not a huge favorite against Louisville after not really looking good at all against Notre Dame. There are quarterback issues here. People say, hey, you got to put Klubnik in and make him your quarterback. It's amazing to me that people say that they just don't watch the games. They put him in the game last week. Second pass he threw was an interception. You know, the idea that he's necessarily this huge upgrade over DJ Uyunglele, a quarterback for Clemson right now, don't know that you necessarily see the evidence of that. But nonetheless, at 10, you got to say Clemson's somewhat alive here for the playoff. Uh, you know, keeping in mind, you've also got UNC, who can win the Coastal this week if it can beat Wake Forest, which would set up maybe a little bit of an intriguing big uh you know acc title match between the tar heels and the tigers seems like that league's got the hardest case for the power five of uh, of making the playoff it could be somewhat alive there i'll keep this going quickly alabama Ole miss we've talked about get a ranked matchup between washington and oregon on saturday you know this is an oregon team right now that's the highest ranked team of any of the pac-12 teams but it's obviously got the huge loss to georgia which could be a little bit of a ding if you get more serious about the playoff rankings and then finally just to think about this TCU ranked fourth playing Texas on Saturday a touchdown underdog people have kind of wrapped their mind around that a little bit but also consider this that even if TCU gets past Texas on Saturday which they're not favored to do the following week against Baylor there's a really good chance that TCU is also an underdog to Baylor as well believe it or not so they're ranked fourth but not respected by the gambling market but one of those teams that has a little bit of an inside track for the playoffs so that's a lot of information I realize that but that's kind of what's at stake here in the SEC West hey if LSU wins on Saturday and Bama wins it's over and done with if that doesn't happen it gets a little bit tricky and then beyond that Pac-12 alive for the playoff Big 12 alive for the playoff multiple Big Ten teams alive for the playoff. ACC hanging by a string. Georgia sitting on top. Everybody looking up at them. A lot of chaos underneath that here right now. All right, a couple of notes before we let you go there as well. As you get ready to go towards the weekend, obviously football get going tonight there as well. You're watching the game. You're hanging out with folks. It's time to flavor up your game day experience. Our friends at Pasquale's Pizza are going to let you have a chance to do that. Now, there's a QR code in your screen that you can use to take great advantage of this. But let me just tell you about the great experience that comes with Pasquale's Pizza. My family, we've tried this. We love it. There's all kinds of great options. There's a meats pizza, which I love. For me, for pizza, I want as much meat as I can possibly get on the pizza. That's just kind of my rule there. If it's green, it's trouble. If it's fried, give me double. That's basically the way that I kind of go when it comes to uh, stuff like this. So I want as many like meats on the pizza as I can possibly get. Having our friends at Pasquale's Pizza, they got a uh, a lot of that going on for you. Also, you got these meatball dunker appetizers. I tried these. These are really good. So it's like you take like the meatball, and this is probably not the way they would describe it, but it's kind of the way I describe it. So you take the meatball, kind of wrap almost like a breadstick around it, uh, and you like dunk it like the marinara sauce. It's delicious. Great appetizer. Really good wings. Just great stuff. Our friends at Pasquale's Pizza want to flavor up your game day. And so you can check them out for more online. Pasquale'sPizza.com. That's the website. That's with two L's. Pasquale'sPizza.com. You can also go to DoorDash here for this, or you can use the QR code on the screen. When you use the, co- the promo code GAMEDAY20, you're going to get 20% off your order. That's 20% off your order with our friends at Pasquale's Pizza. So flavor 
up your game day. Enjoy some great wings. Enjoy some delicious pizza. Great collection of appetizers and salads and things like that. Uh, get all of that with our friends at Pasquale's Pizza. Flavor up your game day and use the promo code GAMEDAY20 for 20% off. Then one more quick message here there as well. As we head towards Saturday, of course, we're thinking about our pregame coverage coming to you live from Starkville, Mississippi. And we'll be thinking about the injury situation for UGA, who's playing between you know, guys like A.D. Mitchell that you're probably still waiting on for a while, but maybe more positive update on Robert Beal and Amarius Mims and some of those names there. We'll, we'll do our injury report officially on Saturday. And, of course, the folks that bring that to us, our friends at the Durham Law Group. And speaking of injuries, if you've been hurt or injured in an accident, our friends at Durham Law Group want to uh, fight for you. And here's the thing. They don't just practice personal injury law. They define it. That means no fees, no expenses unless you win. So give them a call. 844-4GA-HURT. That's 844-4GA-HURT or online at georgiahurt.com. That's the word Georgia all spelled out, georgiahurt.com for more on that. All right, a couple of great, uh, great golden shoes. We wrap things up here today. I told you we've got a huge, fun collection of these as we move towards tomorrow. And I'm going to just be dumping a lot of these on you here, trying to create some good vibes heading towards the weekend. So let's see our first one here for today. Our buddy Mad Dog, who's always so good at this. He's got Kirby giving a little whooping here to uh, Josh Heupel. Heupel looking like the child here, which is a scary looking child if you want to uh, admit it. Thinking about the folks from Knoxville traveling down to Athens. Mike says, when you travel 235 miles just to get spanked, hashtag go for two in 22. So Mad Dog clearly straight to the front of the line for using that hashtag, go for two in 22. Mad Dog, we love all of that. And then a great one here there as well. This is a little bit of a video. Uh, Kirby's Bowl Cuts this to me, uh, and I guess the folks at Fox Sports made this, but it's Stetson the Mailman delivering an L to Tennessee, the dog carrying that away. That's really funny. I appreciate the uh, folks, I guess, Fox for making it, our buddy uh, Kirby's Bowl Cut for sharing it, but uh, really uh, very funny. Uh, Great job, very well done, and truly a great representation of the big win for Georgia against Tennessee. Speaking of teams we don't like in orange, how about those lousy, stinking Gators here for a moment? How about 352 days from right now? Georgia back in Jacksonville, beating up on Florida again. Fun to think about that. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. Hashtag Go for two in 22. We will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And on the podcast, time to have the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. Of course, R.S. Andrews is the one you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. On Twitter, Keith Dryden mentioning the fact that um, there's a very real possibility that you could have a Georgia-Oregon rematch in the playoffs, and it could take place in the same stadium in which these two teams played the first time around. And obviously, one of the extra spices to that potential matchup is the fact that Bo Nix has declared a few weeks ago that, hey, if we played Georgia again, the outcome would be completely different. Now, it's one thing to say that when that kind of seems like an unprovable hypothetical. It's another thing to say that only to have to actually go back and play Georgia again in a few weeks' time, which could happen. Now, the Pac-12 is weird. As I said during the regular show, it seems like the Pac-12 champion, if it's one of those one-loss teams, has a really good chance of making the playoff. Um, and maybe that will be Oregon, but obviously, you know, the committee's pretty clearly trying to prop up USC here a little bit because they're ranked so high uh, ahead of a UCLA team that probably has a better overall resume. But the point is, if the Pac-12 team that emerges is Oregon, they do make the playoff. They would, I would think, stand in line to be that number four team. And if Georgia's the number one team, playing him in Atlanta again, isn't this amazing that, you know, once again, Georgia would kind of have this huge level of 
potential bulletin board material for a game like this. I don't know how you know energized the team would be about what Bo Nick said, but I'm sure it would be reminded to them. Gosh knows we'll be on here fanning the flames of that prior to the prior to the game. It'll be a little bit like the Brandon Council thing going into the Auburn game this year or the stuff kind of going into the Tennessee game that was said there that once again, you know, Georgia might actually have a little bit of uh, bulletin board material for a team like Georgia, which is the reigning national champs and number one. It feels like they're getting more bulletin board material than than one should be getting. But if it is Oregon in the playoff, if Georgia's lucky enough to be there and fortunate enough to be there, if it uh, asserts itself enough to get there, then you could, boy, you could really kind of have kind of an interesting matchup with that. So uh, certainly appreciate Keith sharing that. That was kind of an interesting hypothetical that could play itself out here. And obviously, we will be watching a lot of these, you know matchups on saturday with playoff implications very closely so thanks for being here for our podcast cool down today find rs andrews online rsandrews.com if your water heater goes out that's just one of the things that rs andrews can do for you in many cases they can replace it for you the same day so find them online at rsandrews.com have a great day everybody we will see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp we'll look forward to talking to you then